Happy New Year. Welcome to church. So glad you guys are all here. I'm Jeremy. I'm your online pastor here at Thorn Creek Church. And uh, our lead pastor, Pastor Ruben, is out on vacation with his family, getting some much needed rest and relaxation. So keep them in your prayers as they're out doing that. I want to welcome you to church. And uh, you're starting the new year out right. You're doing it right by being here, by putting God first. So give it up for each other. Give it up for yourselves. Way to go. You're here at church. Turn to the person next to you. Tell them you're starting off right. You're starting off right. Type that into the chat. You're starting off right. Uh, welcome as well to our online viewers. Uh, so glad that you're here with us. Uh, whether you're watching from Texas or Colorado or New York or India, I know you're watching from all over the world. So type that into the chat. Let us know where you're watching from. And I want you to uh, just enjoy this message. It's so great to come to you as your online pastor preaching uh, this today. And um, before we jump into the message, I want to pray. So do me a favor, pray for me and with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love and your grace. God, I'm so thankful for everything that you have done. You are faithful, God, and we just ask that you would come and be here. We know you're already here, but continue to be here, Holy Spirit. Open our hearts to your word, God, would you untie my tongue and would you just, would you put your words in my mouth, God? I don't want this to be Jeremy's message. I want this to be the Lord's message, God. So just use me right now. I surrender completely to you. And God, we just ask that you have your way in this place. We love you and we worship you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So. Uh, today's message is titled All Things New. Uh, you know, we've got a new year, and so that gives us a time to look back and reflect upon what happened in the last year and then to look forward to the next year. So let's take a quick walk down memory lane. Here's some things that happened last year in the news. First, uh, people stormed the U.S. Capitol. That happened. Uh, if you like to play the stock market, hopefully you bought some GameStop because that was a really good stock, right? Uh, NASA landed a rover on Mars, and then that rover launched a helicopter on Mars, which is pretty cool. I think that's cool. Tom Brady proved that he's the greatest of all time by winning the Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right. Do you know he, he and I are the same age? So I think that means I could probably win a Super Bowl or something like that. So uh, the Suez Canal got blocked by a cargo ship that got stuck. He didn't know how to do a three-point turn or something like that. Uh, we had cyber attacks that shut down the Colonial Pipeline. Uh, do you guys remember the Brood X cicadas? Remember the cicadas? That was all this big big news about, you know, every 70 years. They, they, well, they, were, they weren't here in Colorado, so we didn't get to see them. Um, what else? We got the U.S. government. They, uh, they released a research, a report on UFOs, finally releasing the truth. And what they let us know in that report is that they're unidentified aerial phenomena. That's, they just changed the acronym. That's it. Just, we don't know anything else. Uh, we finally had the 2020 Summer Olympics in 2021. That was cool. The milk crate challenge happened. I hope none of you did that. That was very dangerous. Uh, we had cargo ships stacked up off the coast of California. I think they're still there. I think we have some audio equipment that's out there that we're waiting for. Uh, Facebook had a major outage. 
You know, so they should have kept Google Plus up because that would have been really good. And if you know what Google Plus is, extra points for being geeky. Uh, Amazon had a major outage as well. So we all thought about, hey, maybe we have to go back to the stores. Uh, and then one of the best things that happened this year was the Matrix 4, right? Okay, come on, guys. The Matrix 4? We've been waiting for this? Okay, yeah. And then uh, there's one other thing I forgot, COVID. Uh, that happened this year, in case you were unaware. Uh, it got better, it got worse. We had Delta, we had Omicron, no masks, we had more masks. And it just filled our life, right? Now, the reality is some of this stuff infect, uh, affected us personally, and some of it didn't. Some of it was important, some of it wasn't. Some of the things happened to us, and it really didn't make much difference in our lives as those things happened. But as we think back on 2021, maybe some of the real things that you're going to consider or you think about is, what are you thankful for? You know, maybe it's health in your family or just your family in general. Uh, what do you want to forget? I think COVID's right up there on the top of that list, right? Uh, what's the biggest challenge of this last year that you had? What's, what's the best thing that happened? What's, what's the good and what's the bad? What do you need to change? What do you want to be different, right? These are all questions that we ask ourselves as we, as we look back at last year and look forward. Now, on a personal level, I had all of my ups and downs as well. Um, there were times of fun and great joy, and there were other times that were challenging and difficult. In case you were unaware, it's very difficult to be a parent. Uh, so I learned that this year as well. Uh, there was a lot of change that happened that I didn't expect, and I had to deal with doubt and insecurity. Uh, I had to go through all those things. Um, but through all of that, God was faithful. God carried me through, and I saw his faithfulness, and God has been working. Even through those ups and downs, I saw God move in amazing ways. One way I'm really excited about how God moved is in our online church ministry. This has been our first full year of that, and I just wanted to share with you a little bit about what God has done. So on YouTube, uh, we got uh, 5,608 views and had 37,200 minutes of watch time. Uh, those are our messages. Yeah, put your hands together for that. That's what God's doing. Those are our messages and our testimony videos, videos from our students and our kids, all of that. Now, our church online platform that we use, live.thorncreek.church, these are some fun numbers. Here we go. For 2021, we had 10,721 unique browsers visit the site. We had 255,400 minutes of attended time. Just, just over a quarter. I think it's pretty amazing, guys. I mean, that's, that's, that's amazing. An average watch time of 31 minutes, 30 seconds. So that means of all those 10,000 people, the average watch time was 31 minutes. And we had 37 salvations. 37 people clicked that button that said, I gave my life to Christ. 37 people were adopted into God's family. And that's why we're doing all of this. That's why we love to see and we love to reach out through our online community. So yeah. Even when there's pain, even when there's difficulty, even when there's doubts, even when there's insecurity throughout life, God is doing big things. He's doing new things, right? And that's what I thought about, this whole New Year's message. What are we going to talk about? And this one verse kept coming to my mind, and it's from Revelation chapter 21, verse 5, and it says, And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. 
So we have a God who's in the business of making things new. He makes new lives and new hope. He gives uh, new beginnings. He, he helps create new habits and new relationships. This is our God. He is a God of new, new beginnings, and he wants to make all things new. He will make all things new when Jesus comes back, and that's our hope. That's the hope that we have in Jesus Christ is that God is going to make all things new, all of these illnesses that we deal with, and, and and the frailty of our bodies and, and getting older and all of that kind of stuff, it's going to go away. It will pass because God will make all things new. It doesn't matter what your year has looked like, good or bad. I want you to hear this. God wants to do something new in your life. Maybe you're here today and you needed to hear that. I want you to hear that. God wants to do something new in your life. Doesn't matter whether last year was great or bad or horrible or wonderful. God wants to do something new in your life. In fact, turn to the person next to him, next to you and just let them know God wants to do something new in your life. Type that into the chat. God wants to do something new in your life. Now here's the challenge. When something new comes, when there's a change, there's different ways we can react right? We, we can see it as a good thing, and sometimes we can see it as maybe not a good thing, or we, we want to cling to that old thing, right? That's the challenge. So today I want to look at the four, these four different types of people in this account we're going to look at, and how they reacted to God doing a new thing. We find it in Luke 5, starting in verse 17. It says, one day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem, and the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Now, we're in Luke 5. This is kind of near the beginning of Jesus's ministry as Luke is uh, presenting this in his gospel. And, and Mark's account of this, this story, he actually tells us that Jesus is in Capernaum. And here we see these Pharisees and these other teachers of the law sitting and listening to Jesus as he teaches. Now, this word Pharisees, it actually means separate. And these Pharisees were a sort of fundamentalist or orthodox branch of the Jews. And they focused upon strict adherence to the law and separation from anything that was pagan. So they were very self-righteous. They were very uh, pious. They, they really wanted to make sure that they were following the law. In fact, so much so that they thought sometimes that the law was vague, right? They would say, okay, well, the law says don't work on the Sabbath. Well, that's pretty vague. What does that mean? So they would make extra laws. It says like, okay, well, what does it mean to work? Okay, well, don't, don't start a fire in your house. Don't, 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 don't turn on the lights. Don't, don't walk through a field where there's wheat because you might brush up against a piece of wheat and the head may come off and now you've harvested, right? They got to that point where they said, you know what? Every single little thing we can think about, we're going to make sure that we're doing it right because they, they wanted to follow the law. Their, their hearts initially were in the right place to follow God and to do his will, but it just became more about the rules and more about doing those rules and how good they looked in doing those rules. They believed in miracles and the resurrection and angels. And, and Jesus has a lot to say about these Pharisees, right? He oftentimes taught kind of against them. He would see them as self-righteous and hypocritical. And he, he recognized that, that their heart was really all about looking good and, 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 and showing themselves to be religious. They weren't really concerned as much with serving God. 
Now, these people were being drawn to Jesus, the Pharisees included and the teachers, because he was healing people. He's, he's teaching these things. And so these Pharisees, they want to be there and they want to listen because, right, they're the, they're the, they're the, the teachers of the law and, and they know and they want to make sure that this Jesus guy is teaching the right thing and they want to be able to tell people like, like, yes, that's with the law or no, that's not, that's biblical. And so here we see our first type of people and they're the sitters. They're not babysitters, they're just sitters. They're the people who are sitting there listening to Jesus. They're the ones who see God moving and aren't impressed. The, Pastor Reuben talked about these people uh, a few weeks ago. You know, like God's moving in amazing ways, right? We see lots of minutes of view time online and we see people clicking that button saying they've given their life to Jesus and there's someone over here like, okay, yeah, big deal. Right? These are the sitters. These are these people who are pessimistic. They, they, they expect the worst. They look for the worst. They're not expecting anything great to happen. In fact, for them, the new is just the same old thing. Why stand? Why crowd in? Why try to push in? Just sit back and we'll judge and we'll look and we'll, we'll make our own. In fact, the sitter takes up space. Right, if we're all standing in a group and we're trying to squeeze in all this crowd to see Jesus, well, if everybody's standing, then you can get a lot more people in. But the sitters, they're, they're, they're so self-righteous that they just even sit there and they're like, I'm going to take up all this space, right? We're going we're gonna to make sure that what Jesus is teaching is, is accurate. They've seen it all before. They know how it's going to go. They've, they've got this God thing figured out. Well, you need to hear this if you're a sitter. If you've got God all figured out, then he's not really God, is he? If you, if you know what God's going to do, that doesn't, he's not God then, right? It's almost as if you're God. See, God is infinite. God is omnipresent. God, God is omniscient. He knows everything. He knows your thoughts before you know them. If you think you can figure out God, then he's really not God. And so we can become this, this sitter, this person who sits back and, and judges and, and is skeptical and, and has a, a calloused and hardened heart. See, it's possible to be in the midst of what God is doing, the new thing that God is doing, and not even recognize it. It's possible to be on the front row and just see it as false or mundane. It's possible to be this person who's been calloused by life, Maybe you've been abused. Maybe you've, been, you've gone through tragedy. You've, you've lost a family member. You've, you've been sick. You've gone through all of these things. It's possible to go through those things and allow the world, allow life to harden your heart and not be receptive to what God's doing. Or maybe you've just been in it long enough. You're a follower of Christ. You're like, I've seen it before. I've heard 10,000 sermons. I've sang that song 20 times. You take grace for granted. You don't have to sit there any longer. God doesn't want you to be a sitter. You don't have to just sit and, 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 and have this judgmental, cynical, jaded spirit. You can let God move in your heart. You don't have to be stuck in that place. If you recognize, hey, I'm more of a sitter than I am anything else, 
then just confess out to God. Cry out to God and say, God, move in me. You aren't a lost cause. You aren't stuck in your ways. It isn't just who you are. God is the God of new beginnings. God is the God of new life. He can change you. He can move in your life. When God is doing something new, lean in. Don't just sit back. Don't be that sitter that's there. Now let's check out the next types of people. In verse 18, it says, Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. So Jesus is teaching in this house. Now, the the houses in Palestine in Jesus' time, they were typically two-story houses. and And the second story was really the roof. But there would be ladders or stairs on the outside of the building so that you could get up there and people would use it as kind of this upper room mentality where they could kind of get away from it, have some alone time and maybe be with God. And Mark's account tells us that there were actually four guys that carried this, this paralytic man on a mat. And the house where Jesus is teaching is full, right? We've got, we've got the sitters right there. They're taking up space. And then everybody else is, is crowding in. And so they can't even get their friend into the house near Jesus because the doors are clogged up and the windows are clogged up. And so they decide to go up onto the roof. And Luke says they removed tiles. In Mark's account, it says that they dug through the roof to lower this man through. And, and, and likely, they, they kind of had to do both. I mean, it's, it's not like they're conflicting stories here. Uh, Daryl Brock describes the construction of roofs, roofs in Palestine in Jesus' day. He says, the roof was somewhat flat and about six feet above the ground. Wooden beams were laid across the top of the stone or mud walls with a layer of reeds, thorns, and several inches of clay on top of them. So here come these guys, and they do this. And they have to do this because we have the second type of people that we see here, the spectators, the crowd. They're the ones who are all crowding in. Now, this crowd of people, they've pushed and blocked up the doors and the windows, and they just want to see what's going on. They're mostly indifferent to what's happening. They're not really involved or or, or emotionally connected. They just want to see the big thing that's happening, right? They're not allowing anything to to affect their life. They just want to see what it is. Just as quickly as that crowd came, that crowd will leave and forget everything that Jesus just just talked about, what he taught. They're easily swayed by external circumstances, and they see something new, but they they can become quickly bored of it and look for the next thing that's new. There's no time spent reflecting or personalizing what they've seen. The spectator is the person that will hop from job to job because that boss is, is not a good boss or my coworkers, they just don't get me and it's not a fun place to be. Or it's that person, the spectator is that person that will hop from church to church because they don't get involved and then they, they say, well, there's no community there and there's, there's nothing that, I, that connects me to that church and so I'm just going to keep going and going. They're not getting involved. They're just spectating. Just like when we go to a sporting event, right? We watch, but we're not emotionally attached. Well, at least not most of us. A lot of us are, right? But, <laughs> but we're not, like, if, if, we don't, if your team doesn't win the game, you just go home and go to work the next day. It's not a big deal, Right? That's the spectator mentality. We just go watch the game. We just go watch what's going on. The spectator 
is not willing to sweat and bleed for the cause. Once the newness rubs off, or if there's a need for any kind of sacrifice, they're gone. They're looking for the new and the easy, but I need you to hear this. New doesn't always mean easier. New doesn't always mean easier. When God wants to do something new in your life, oftentimes it's going to require sacrifice. It's going to require some humility or some surrender. See, the spectator isn't interested in seeing God move in new ways around them. I'm sorry, the spectator is, but they're not necessarily interested in seeing God move inside of them. The spectator is interested in seeing God move out here but not in here. The spectator is okay with seeing all of these things and being there and being part of the crowd, but I'm ready to go home and not really have it affect me. God doesn't want you to be just a spectator. He wants you to, he wants to move in and he wants to move through you. Be open to what he's doing. Be open to what God is doing and be a part of it. And that really leads us to our third type of people that we see in this story. Those are the participants. The participants, when they see something new happening, they get involved. See, these four men who brought their paralyzed friend to meet Jesus, they worked and pushed to get him in front of Jesus. They weren't stopped by the fact that there was a crowd and they couldn't get in. They found a way. They, they worked outside the box, right? Participants recognize what God is doing and they jump in to be a part of it. They see the new and they want to be involved in whatever way they can. They become a part of the body of Christ. That's what we see here, right? Our participants, our volunteers, we have volunteers who clean the church building every week because they recognize that God is doing a new thing every weekend. And they recognize as well that if it's clean, then people will feel comfortable and they'll be more open to hearing the word of God. We've got participants, we've got volunteers who learn songs, new songs every single week. They learn vocal parts. Because they recognize that God is doing something new every single weekend. They love worshiping God and they love leading people in the worship of God. We have volunteers, we have participants who learn Bible stories and Bible lessons every week for our kids and our students because they recognize that God cares about the next generation just as much as he cares about our generation. He recognizes, they recognize that God is doing something new in the lives of these young people. And so they do it. We have volunteers, participants who run cameras and and advance slides and run lights and greet people and serve coffee and host online because they recognize that God is doing something new and they want to be a part of it. Every single week, God is moving and transforming lives here at Thorn Creek Church. During our Christmas Eve services, we had a man who was here and he heard Pastor Ruben's message and he heard him talk about the stink. If you were here, you, you, you heard about that, right? Remember the stink that, that you learned to live with? If you didn't know that or if you didn't hear that message, check it out on YouTube. It's up there, Cradle in the Dirt. But this man recognized he had been living in that stink. He'd been okay with that stink and he needed to get right and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. 
Yeah, put your hands together for that. God is doing something new every single week. And participants recognize that they want to be in the middle of it. They want to tell people about it. They want to carry people to be as close to Jesus as possible. Just like these four friends, right? They weren't okay with their, their paralyzed friend just sitting there like, hey, do you know Jesus is over there? Man, it'd be awesome if you were over there. Like, they didn't do that. They participated. They said, let's get him. Let's take him to Jesus. Oh, the house, we can't get in. Oh, look, there's the stairs. Let's go up to the top. Oh, now we're on top. Well, Jesus is right there. What if we dig down and let him down? That's the participant mentality. I have a question for you. This, as I thought of this question, it hit me personally as well. So uh, the question as we reflect on 2021, how many people did you invite to church this last year? How many people did you invite to church this last year? How, how much did you participate? How many people did you carry to meet Jesus? Did you have a friend that you're okay with just letting them lay over there because they're paralyzed in their sin or their darkness? Or, or do you have someone that you're, gonna, you're willing to drag and, and dig through a roof for? I know I want to be more like that. I'm not perfect. I'm not, I look at those questions and I go, man, I need to do better. I don't want to just let people be stuck. I don't want them to miss out in what God can do in their lives. I want to tell them about Jesus. I want to invite them. If I have that type of relationship, I want to drag them to church. I want to carry them to get them as close to Jesus as possible. Because God is doing something new. God wants to do something new in your life. God wants to do something new in everyone's life. You can be an active participant in what God is doing here at Thorn Creek Church. Jump in. The question is, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? If you're not serving, if you're not volunteering, what are, you, are you waiting for like a formal invite? Here it is. I officially invite you to volunteer at Thorn Creek Church. There you go. You have been invited. Our kids' ministry needs you. Our guest relations ministry needs you. Our students' ministry needs you. Our online ministry needs you. Our media ministry needs you. Our worship ministry needs you. Every single one of our ministries needs you. We're not overstaffed, right? The church can be so much more if we're all participants. Now, check out what Jesus does next. In verse 20, he says, seeing their faith, talking about the four men and the paralyzed man, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. Jesus sees the faith of these guys and he does something entirely new. Up to this point, Jesus' ministry, as we see it in the Gospel of Luke, has, has involved healing people, uh, casting out demons, teaching with authority. But now, Jesus does something entirely new. He says, your sins are forgiven. Which I'm sure caught these guys off, just caught them off guard. Because they're expecting, they're seeing all this healing. They're going to bring the paralyzed man. And they go down. But now, Jesus forgives Sin. Jesus deals with the heart of the paralytic man. He deals with his soul. He recognizes what this guy really needs. Right? They thought, oh, well, he just needs healing. He needs to be able to walk because we have to take him everywhere, right? 
<laughs> Their friends are like, anytime he has to go somewhere, we have to carry him around. So we need to get him healed so he can walk around on his own. See, here's the thing. We may think that we need a new job or that we need a new relationship or that we need a new attitude or that we need a new house or that we need uh, a new anything, a new circumstance. But you need to hear this. Je- Jesus gives us what we really Jesus gives us what we really need, regardless of of what we think we need, regardless of what we think is going to make our lives better. Jesus gives us what we really need. And now we see this fourth type of person. The fourth type of person is the restored person. When God's doing something new, you can either be a sitter and sit back and, and judge and be critical and cynical you could be a spectator and, and see the newness and, and run with everybody and kind of take a look and then it's over and go back home and go to work the next day. You can be a participant. You can, you can come alongside what God is doing and bring people with you. And we all need to be this restored person. Regardless of what's going on in your life, whatever struggle you're going through, the fact is you need Jesus first. Yes, you may need a job. Yes, we need money. We have to pay for things and buy food and pay for our shelter. Yes, but first you need Jesus. What does it matter if you have a new job, but your soul is lost? What does it matter if you have that new car and your soul is lost? What does it matter if you have everything you ever wanted and desired, but your soul is lost? See, that's what Jesus does. See, when God moves and does something new, his goal is your soul health before anything else. Spiritual healing is more important than physical healing. Spiritual healing is more important than physical healing. Spiritual healing is more important than a new job, a new relationship, a new circumstance. See, we all need to be this fourth type of person. We all need spiritual healing, not just some of us, not just the worst of the worst, but every single one of us. See, Paul tells us in Romans that everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And he also tells us that the wages of that sin is death. He continues on and he says, but God in his great love for us, and he demonstrates his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He gave us forgiveness. And so now the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. And you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is your Savior. This is the new thing that every single one of us needs. Paul tells the Corinthians like this. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. God is making all things new through Christ. But look at the response to this forgiveness. 
See, God, Jesus does this, this amazing work. Here's this paralyzed man, and he looks down at him, and he says, your sins are forgiven. He takes care of what's most important in this man's life. And look at what happens in verse 21. But the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. The sitters are sitting and quietly judging. They can't help themselves because they see this new thing. And they're calloused and they're cynical and they're pessimistic. And here's the challenge. The Pharisees are both right and wrong. They're right in the fact that only God can forgive sins. They're wrong in that they don't see that Jesus is God. They don't recognize who Jesus is. So Jesus continues on in verse 22. Jesus knew what they were thinking. Isn't that awesome? These Pharisees, they didn't say it out loud. They don't like blasphemy. They just thought it. They were sitting. But Jesus knew. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Jesus poses this interesting question, which is easier? Which is easier? There's no outward evidence of sins being forgiven, right? It's pretty easy to just say it. Any false prophet, any teacher of that time could just say it because there's no, there's no way to know until we get to heaven and God says, yes, that, that, that did. Your, your sins are forgiven. Right? There's no way to see that. So Jesus tells him, he says, you know what? Just so you know that I actually have that authority, I'm going to make this man walk. Because they're both easy to say and both impossible to do unless you're God. So he not only heals the man's soul, but he also decides to heal the physical body to show that he, that Jesus, is the Son of God. That he has come to seek and save the lost. That he is the Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice for all mankind. Ah. Jesus knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly what you do. And immediately as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. He can walk. No paralyzation, no atrophy, no reservations. He has new legs, a new life, new praise, new outlook. Jesus does something entirely new in this man's life. He's a new man. He is restored. His year wasn't going well. Like, we don't know the history behind this paralyzed man. We don't know if he was paralyzed from birth. We don't know if it just happened this last year, maybe the week, the week before. We don't know. But we know that he needed Jesus and he had these amazing friends who decided to participate, who decided to bring him to Jesus. And Jesus decides to do something that nobody thought would happen. 
See, circumstances come and they go. Our bodies, they fail as we get older. Your back hurts for no reason. You wake up, what did I do? I don't know, right? I'm just old. Our money, it comes and it goes. Jobs come and go. Cars come and go. Friends come and go. But God is faithful. God's love is constant. God's forgiveness is complete. God wants to do something new in your life. Now, I don't know what that is. God does. I hope that God's telling you what that is right now. Maybe you're a sitter. Maybe you've been calloused and and hardened and jaded by life. And God just needs you to stand up and wants to do a new thing in your heart and soften your heart and remove that heart of stone. Maybe you're just a spectator. Maybe you've just been watching. Maybe you've just been going with the crowd and God wants to move in you in a new way. Maybe you're a participant and that's great. Keep being a participant. That's where God wants us. We can be a part of what he's doing every single day in the kingdom of God. Maybe you need to be restored. Maybe you're dealing with something and you just need God to move. Cry out to him. He knows exactly what you need. Jesus, we thank you. I thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace. We thank you that you want to do a new thing. And we look forward to this new year and this new thing that you're going to do. If you're here today and uh, you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, put your faith in him and you need to be restored and just say this prayer Jesus I'm lost without you Jesus I need you I'm sorry for all the things I've done all the sin that's in my life God forgive me Jesus, I give you my entire life. Everything is yours. And I follow you. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're a sitter or you're a spectator. And you need God to to move in your heart. Just cry out to him, God, soften my heart. God, soften my heart. Give me strength to follow you. God, I love you. We love you, God. I thank you for moving. I thank you for being here. God, we worship you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, How appropriate we get to take communion. You know, one of the neat things about communion, I think that's neat, is that Jesus had this meal with his disciples right before he goes to the cross. This is the Last Supper. And in Luke, it says in in verse 19 in chapter 22, it says, he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup 
is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out for you as a sacrifice. This is the, the new covenant, right? God is, is all about new. If you look in the Bible, there's, all, there's new wine and new covenants and new names and new testament and new, God wants to do something new and he does something new here. And he tells us to do this in remembrance of him. To remember what Christ did for each and every one of us. He went to the cross. He became our sin and took the punishment so that we could have forgiveness, so that we could be justified before God. When God looks at us, when our faith is in Jesus Christ, he doesn't see a sinner. He sees a sinner saved by grace. He sees his son. And so we take this bread and we, we take this juice and we remember. But here's the neat part that I really like. The new thing that will happen when Jesus returns. See, we're supposed to do this until he comes back, but he's gonna come back on this big white stallion and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess who he is and he will make all things new and we will sit face to face with Jesus. And that's our hope. As we come, we remember, but we also have hope in what Jesus will do. Let's pray. I want to encourage you. If you're not right with Jesus, if you're not right with God, then, then don't go through the motions. Don't just come up and, and take bread. We want, you to, we want you to make sure that your heart is right before Jesus, that he's your Lord and Savior. Paul warns about, about doing that and, and going through those motions and, and bringing wrath upon yourself. Keep searching out God. If you're online, go find some bread, find some juice in your house, some water. And you can take communion with us as well. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you for going to the cross. We thank you for loving us way more than we can ever really understand. We remember you. We thank you. We put our hope in you. And we look forward to you coming back. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.